Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Going to talk to Chris Mannix coming up here momentarily. We'll get his thoughts on Justin Zanuck, Gordon, interviewing for the vice president of basketball operations job for the Chicago Bulls. Yes, uh, that's something that you and I have discussed through this show. This is what happens when you get talented people. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know I'm saying the Jazz will, will uh, lose Justin or if he's just you know, exploring various possibilities, but uh, he's uh, definitely a valued guy that a lot of people might be interested in. Yeah, no doubt. And isn't it kind of funny how we don't even know um, if the season will be canceled or continued in some way, shape, or form, but, you know, these gears continue to grind. When it be in, Whoever the new, you know, VP of basketball ops for the Bulls is, is going to potentially take over with a couple of games to go, no games to go. I mean, the Bulls aren't making the playoffs anytime soon, but kind of awkward not knowing where the, where you start, right? When's the draft going to be? We really have no idea. Is there going to be a summer league? In playoffs instead of a summer league? I mean, it would be be kind of awkward to to take a gig like this, not that he wouldn't, uh, but and, and not really know where to start. You know what I mean? Not, not really know, all right, first day on the job, where should I begin? Um, we don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of things uh, nobody knows except for one thing uh, that we do know is that the Bulls needed some help from a quality basketball mind. Uh, They are in need. Yeah, well, they should be in need of a new head coach, but we'll see how that goes, right? Well, here we go. You don't Mm. disagree with me on that. (laughs) Don't come here once every two years and talk like that. Your boy Jim Boylan, whoever it is, better be, you know, maybe putting his resume together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that, the you know, all the talk in the NBA, and, and you don't seem to hear this as much in other sports, maybe a little bit in baseball, but as much of the talk in, in the NBA of big markets, small markets, mid-markets, those sorts of things, there's a lot of really bad big market teams, like the Knicks and the Bulls and the Clippers for years, although obviously the Clippers are... Uh, you know, with a decent owner kind of headed back in the other direction. But isn't it interesting that we we talk a lot about market size, but sometimes that doesn't seem to matter all that much. I mean, Milwaukee was the best team in the league this year. Yeah, certainly not of late. It seems exactly right. Big market teams have this advantage and that advantage. Well, there are some of them that were just getting kicked around by smaller market teams or mid-market teams, whatever you want to call them. But maybe this is an interesting discussion. How much does it really matter? Because when you talk about free agents, Gordon, in the NBA, as much as we all get caught up in signing that big free agent, uh, when was the last big free agent to go to the Bulls? Carlos Boozer? Hmm. I mean, like, yeah. Booz, Booz was an all-star at the time, right, or, or not far removed from it. So, I mean, I would consider that a big free agent signing. Has there been maybe the, one since? You think, you think there has been some, uh, some uh, you know, not, there's some knowledge being passed around to to stay away from that that particular team, regardless of uh, how big it is or what 
what has happened in the past. Well, I think, and, and maybe this is a lesson, Gordon, and this might be a question for somebody like Mannix, who we're uh, hoping to catch up with in a, in a couple minutes here, or maybe somebody, uh, maybe somebody like Locke. But, you know, how much does dysfunction weigh into the decision of a free agent? And it, maybe it goes back to when Mello was leaving Denver. And remember when, when he forced his way out of the Nuggets and said, I'm going to New York and nowhere else because bright lights and this and that. And then he goes to New York and the, the uh, you know, it's so dysfunctional there that Mello really, I mean, I think did damage to what could have been his legacy. Maybe, maybe you could argue that he was not a high, high, high level player all along. But, you know, not playing on good teams in New York, uh, I think, would, did damage to his, repu- well, maybe not reputation, but uh, his overall legacy. And then you look at somebody like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, Gordon, who, well, Kevin Durant openly said that nobody is considering the New York Knicks because of right. what a mess they are, you know, and they go to the Brooklyn Nets, which are certainly more of an upstart type franchise or like type environment than, than what's going on with the Knicks. So, you know, maybe functional environment means a lot more to these free agents than, say, market size does now. And I'm telling you right now, as it should, as it freaking should. Because teams should not have a <laughs> – that's the way I view it. I mean, I wouldn't want to go to a team that uh, isn't uh, put together by by cap- by the you know capable people who really do know what they're doing. And I've never thought that smart people should be penalized because they happen to work in a market that's a, a smaller side or less, uh, maybe not as many people around or. You know, or for some other reason like that. Why should smaller market teams with really smart people who have developed players be penalized by that come time for a free agent to sign or, or go? Yeah. I've, I've always thought that that's ridiculous to have to have uh, that kind of capable people penalized for some stupid reason and then have other markets where, uh, you know, I mean, they are not as capable and they okay so what they're going to take advantage of that uh come time to uh why just because hmm. just because they've got they're in a larger location as far as population goes you know it's interesting you, you think about the big big name free agents and you say well the jazz don't get big name free agents and maybe that's true somewhat but that's pretty much true about 95 percent of the league yeah yeah, okay, I agree with that. I mean, some free agents have chosen Miami, so maybe there's an exception, right? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. LeBron, Bosch, um, if you can think of some others, probably Miami has been somewhat of a destination, and they've got South Beach, and they've got Pat Riley. You know, the Lakers have picked up free agents. The Clippers picked up Kawhi. Paul George was a trade. That wasn't a, the, a free agency gig, but they did get Kawhi through free agency. And But you think of the, the big-name free agent moves, not trade moves, but free agent moves, mm-hmm. You know, really, there's only two or three franchises that are they're actually signing these impact guys. So, you know, throughout the entire league, it still remains. you got to draft well and you've got to develop well. I mean, that still remains the name of the game for the vast, vast amount of NBA franchises out there, right? Yeah, I, I think that's right. And then the big part is, Gordon, you convince your players that you develop that they have to stay. I mean, that's, that's what Milwaukee's in the middle of doing, right, with Giannis? Is you've developed him, you've turned him into a star, he's a, a title contender right now, they've got to convince him to stay. 
That's something that San Antonio failed to do with with Kawhi Leonard, right? Something that New Orleans failed to do with Anthony Davis. That's that's the trick of it. Uh, all right, Gordon. Well, let's get right to it. It's time for your uh, daily assist, Austin. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, your daily assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or a Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Of course, he makes the magic happen at Sports Illustrated. He's our good friend, Chris Mannix. Chris, first and foremost, how are you this week? It's good to talk to you. I'm through... Uh Three seasons of ER now, uh, <laughs> rolling along here. Oh wait, are you out of nineteen nineties drama? Are you out of the Clooney years yet? I, how well? How long was he on that show? Uh, I am not out of the Clooney years yet. Uh, I'm getting there, and I'm starting to skip like every other episode because there's like fifteen seasons, and I, I don't even with this pandemic going on, I don't think I'm <laughs> going to get through it. Chris, have you found uh, have you found any um, uh, new uh, options for uh, you know new passions? No, I'm, I'm going to have to find. I'm probably going to have to get there. Um, remarkably, I've been pretty busy, you know, with a, a few things. I've I've got a magazine story coming out next week, and uh, you know, right now there's still enough evolving that I'm writing web content consistently, and you know, doing a lot of video for DAZN for our boxing stuff as well. So it's been yeah, you know, it's been all concentrated, of course, in one place, which is unusual for me. But um, I haven't quite gotten to the point where it's like I have to take up yoga or something. I'm not, I'm not quite there with uh, the the boredom part of this all just yet. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Chris, the big news of the day around here, Justin Zanuck given permission uh, from the Jazz, and he interviews via video, apparently, with the Chicago Bulls for their vice president of basketball operations position. Anything you're hearing about this and your thoughts on Zanuck as a candidate? Well, they've cast a pretty wide net in Chicago, as as they should. I mean, there should you know, there shouldn't be any rush uh, to, to find someone to fill a key position on a team that is at a pretty critical point right now. Um, so I don't know how far along they are. We've seen in the last couple of days a, a number of different guys withdraw from the process. And when I see that, one of the first – I haven't talked to any of those people specifically yet, but when I see that, one of the first questions I have is, did, are there concerns about autonomy there? Um you know, you've got Michael Reinsdorf running thing from an ownership perspective, but it, it seems more likely than not that, you know, John Paxson's still going to be around in some capacity. Gar Foreman's still going to be around in some capacity. Uh, that, that can be some red flags if the incumbents are still around, even if they are in a reduced role. So that, that's a question that I would have at this stage of the process. As far as Justin Zanuck goes, there are few better choices, I think, that are out there. I mean, Justin... I mean, you guys know the history with Milwaukee. He got a raw deal there. Um, he was a GM and waiting with the Bucks, and, and John Horst did a phenomenal job as well. But Justin, I think, would have done just as well. Uh, he's been a huge part of the success uh, that they've had in uh, in Utah, and and I think he'd be an excellent and will be an excellent GM. He's got the experience in front office. He's got the experience as a, a former agent. I mean, he checks all the boxes, and people that know him like him a lot. 
uh, there, you know, I think he'd be a home run candidate for the Bulls. How would you evaluate the job that has been done there over the past number of years, uh, Chris? Well, they're pretty good at drafting and bad at everything else. I think that's probably the best way to to boil it down. Uh, their coaching decisions have been, you know, pretty bizarre. You know how they, you know, they brought in Fred Hoiberg to coach a Tom Thibodeau team, which was never going to work. And you know, I don't know if Fred would have made a good NBA coach, but I don't think he ever really had the personnel that he needed to to coach that type of team. And then you bring in Jim Boylan and. And look, there probably wasn't another team in the league that would have elevated Jim Boylan to that position. He struggles his first year after being elevated, and you bring him back on another contract. I mean, I, there have been some very questionable decisions made uh, by the Bulls, and, and it's been mitigated to a degree by if you look at some of their recent drafts, they've been you know pretty good. They've got some you know this is historically too, not just the last couple of years. So that's that's kind of defined them to a degree, but. Um, you know, whoever comes in there, they'll have some some pieces, of course. I mean, Zach Levine, you'll have to decide if he's a franchise player or not. And there's some other young guys like Chris Dunn and others that are part of that mix. Uh, Wendell Carter is very good, but you know that that's a team that's that's going to take some time to to piece together. And you got to be really strategic with what you do with signing guys, not to overwhelm your salary cap with with bad contracts. Chris Mannix with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon and I were just talking about owners and strength of owners. And on a scale of 0 to 10, uh, uh, 10 being the perfect owner and 0 being Jim Dolan, where would you put Jerry Reinsdorf? Uh, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, that, look, Dolan is in a class unto himself. I mean, you know, he's he's the guy that, that hires his pals to you know, into key front office positions, and that you know that that just never works. Um, you know, look, Jerry Reinsdorf has an incredible history of success in the 1990s. I mean, I I think you can question the uh, and look, I, I often like to you know give, I I try to side more with giving executives and coaches more leeway than maybe fans do. You know, you don't always have to reflexively hire and fire people. Um, but they've given the the Paxson Foreman combination a lot of rope over the years. I think that's been detrimental to the team's long term success. So I think, look, I, I think they skew more on the positive scale of ownership because of the resources that they they give their team, uh, give their their front office, and um, you know, the, as I said, the kind of the rope they give their front office executives to to figure things out. Uh, but at the same time, they've you know, not you know, pulled the trigger on on some decision they should have pulled the trigger on early, and that's you know definitely cost them something uh, in the last 20 years. So, Chris, if we were to give to you a choice uh, of of ranking the importance of owner uh, and then either, you know, VP of uh, basketball operations or personnel, however you want to call that, and then coach, what is most important from one to three? You know, I think the – the VP of basketball ops is probably the most important. Um, then I'll go coach and then owner. And owner, you really – you just want an owner that gets out of the way and is not visible and you know isn't in the papers for interfering with something. You know, that's what Dolan's been, you know, way too involved in over the years. And you can certainly make the case in the, in the bus family with the Lakers that made some questionable choices because of ownership-driven decisions. And frankly, I wonder – you know, go back to the firing of Kenny Atkinson in Brooklyn – I wonder if that was fueled by an ownership decision as well. I mean, 
give me an owner like Peter Holt was in San Antonio. I mean, you couldn't pick Peter Holt out of a lineup, you know, most basketball fans. And yet he oversaw, you know, one of the great dynasties in sports. Clay Bennett in Oklahoma City has given Sam Presti complete autonomy and got out of his way. And that's been an incredibly successful small market franchise. The Miller family as well has been very good uh, over the years in, you know, hiring top-level executives. I mean, the, the Jazz front office, you know, with Justin there and David Morway and, and head by Dennis Lindsay, I mean, that's just, that's really one of the deepest and most talented front offices in the entire NBA. And that's a credit to ownership for, you know, providing them with the resource that, to bring in those types of guys and, and, and let them do the job. And you now Quinn Snyder, you know, bringing him in, letting him do the job. So I think with ownership, you just want, you just want the, them to hire smart guys and then watch as smart guys do their thing. And unfortunately, it's not what every owner in the NBA does. Chris Mannix with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Adam Silver was on a uh, conference call with President Trump and the other commissioners in professional sports over the weekend. And uh, reportedly, Adam Silver expressed that he wants to lead the way out, or the NBA, excuse me, to lead the way, you know, when this thing subsides because they were the first uh, league to really shut it down. They want to lead the way. What do you think? Is that realistic from Commissioner Silver? Well, I mean, in a, in a vacuum, sure, it's realistic. I mean, the NBA... You know, the NBA and the NHL are, and I read, I don't know anything about the NHL, but I know that I read that they're talking about North Dakota. I mean, they have the ability to go to one site and finish out their postseason. And, you know, that's something I think the NBA and their owners are eager to do. Uh, you know, that phone call, uh, from what I understand, they really didn't have much of a point. I mean, it was just kind of, you know, pro forma. And, and I would argue that it was probably just for the president to say, talk to a bunch of sports commissioners. I, I don't. From what I get from the NBA perspective, they didn't really take much away from it. The NBA, you know, I know that the president wants, you know, sports to come back. He said that publicly in his briefings, but the NBA is not going to listen to him. Like, they're going to come back, you know, whenever their doctors and the federal doctors like Dr. Fauci and others say it's okay to come back. And it's as simple as that. They'll not be pressured one way or the other uh, to play once again. But once, once it becomes medically palatable, uh, for lack of a better word, You'll see the NBA move swiftly. I mean, it could be, you know, early May where, you know, things change, where you can put 100 people into a venue. You're going to see the NBA move to, you know, get players back into their into their team facilities to get a training camp of some kind started and hopefully a regular season to kind of flatten things out and, and get into a playoff. So I, while the NBA is kind of idling right now, they're going to be well positioned the coming weeks to, to be one of the fastest league to get back into play. Do you think there are players uh, who are, who play better in front of a crowd uh, or it affects their play more in a positive or maybe a negative way than guys who just pile into a gym and are playing, say, in front of television cameras? Oh, I think it's true that all players play better in front of crowds. I mean, it's, if for nothing else, adrenaline you know, that, that applies. I'm sure, you know, I mean, players are probably more, are better equipped to answer a specific question like that but yeah i'm sure there are players that are the king of the pickup games that don't feed off uh, crowd energy but i mean every top player in the league one way or the other feeds off the crowd positive and negative um and, and something will be lost it's what's going to make if this playoffs comes up comes to be it's going to w- make it really unique and and just you know something that that it becomes entirely unpredictable i mean seating you go out the window when when these playoffs if these playoffs ultimately starts not going to matter uh even one through eight at that point i mean it's just going to be such a, a unique environment that players going to be in that 
we're not going to know how they're going to respond. And we've talked about this before, but the bigger question is not how they respond behind closed doors is, you know, what kind of shape are they in? You know, I mean, you know, guys are just hanging around the house doing nothing. And when we get to, you know, we get to the, the, the time when it's time to start playing, you know, I mean, how many players balloon in the next, uh, the next couple of months? I mean, is there going to be a Sean Kemp of this, uh, of this time? So I think that's, that's a pretty big question. I think that we're going to have to wait and see what happens. Let me follow up real quick on that. Uh, Chris, as you've observed these athletes, the difference, I imagine most of them will keep themselves in decent shape. What is the difference between decent shape and top form ready to play at the NBA level? How big a leap is it? Oh, it's, I mean, it's, it's Grand Canyon-esque, you know, for, for an example. I mean, you know, I, I'm probably doing the same workouts that some NBA players are doing and I am not equipped to play in an NBA game and, and will not be anytime soon. Now, these guys, I'm sure, you know, will, will have the opportunity in the coming months to, to get back in their facilities and, and work their way back into shape. But it's not good. You know, there, there are guys that I've talked to, players that are just, you know, they're already starting to slip into, into poor conditioning. And there's really no way out of it. I mean, they can't even go to like an Equinox or a, or a local gym to, to start to work on their own. They can't bring their personal trainers in. I mean, there's nothing they can do at the moment to, to try to shake that off. So, you know, there are a lot of guys out there hoping that sooner rather than later they can start working out with two or three guys in a gym. Some of these players have personal trainers they can fly out. Um, they're hoping that happens to, to get to a point where they can start to work their way back into shape because, you know, it, it's, it's going to be – look, I, I think it's unavoidable. One way or the other, it's going to be sloppy basketball when the players come back. Um, I just a question of how sloppy is it going to be. Chris, as always, we really appreciate you jumping on with us, sharing a little wisdom. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Chris. You got it, guys. Thanks, Chris. Chris Mannix, our good friend from Sports Illustrated, joins us on Mondays right here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thinks a, a lot, Gordon, about the Jazz Brain Trust and the, the amount of brain power the front office has. Yeah, and you add uh, Quinn Snyder into that equation, and that's got to be one of the brightest groups of basketball personnel uh, or leaders that I can think of. I can't think of anybody I would put over that. Can you? No, no, no. I'm I with mean, him. all things considered. Right. I agree with you and him. Yeah. All right. Coming up, we'll get to more. We've got the Knott Sports Port at 450. Chris Camrani, our good, uh, good friend, joins us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Actually wrote about uh, Morgan Scally's career on the zone all those years ago. We'll ask him about that and more. <laughs> hey, Jake. Huh? Jake, I've also got a question for our listeners. Uh-oh. I saw an opinion piece, and someone was saying, I guess Trey Young had said that he'll pass Steph Curry as the NBA's best shooter within the next year. You want to get to that coming up? Let's do a little tease. We'll get to that on the other side. How about that? Okay. There you go. It's Gordon Mont and Jake Scott. It's the big show. 975 and 1280 the zone. Slow Mojo. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK. Whenever the league starts, how long do you think teams and guys would need in terms of getting back together before you actually play a game? I guess a part of it depends how long we are out for and sitting out waiting. No one's going to sit here and say that running on a treadmill is going to emulate playing a game. The rumor and talk around the league is if we do go back and hopefully when, there'll be like a little mini training camp. They have to give us a little bit of time because depending on how long this break is, guys are going to need to come back and obviously get in basketball shape, not just 
running on a treadmill or riding a bike. Oh, yeah. Catch Jazzman Joe Ingles with DJ and PK every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our good friends at Syringa Networks, home to the complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SIA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for the 21st century here in Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Give our boy Gabe a call. He'll take care of you, that is for sure. Gordon, you uh, posed a question before the break. Yeah, I was reading a story about uh, Trey Young saying on a podcast with Shaquille O'Neal that he would uh, surpass Steph Curry as the league's best shooter uh, within, quote, a year. And I thought, okay, look, uh, Trey Young is a terrific talent, uh, a good passer. He's averaging 29 points a game this year very creative but he is as far as shooting goes it's not even close with Steph I mean last year uh, Trey shot 32 percent from three this year he's at 36 before the season was suspended and uh and Steph Curry has never shot less or worse than 42 percent uh from three in his 10-year career so I don't know I just I thought that was interesting And according to what I read here, that Shaq kind of goaded him into it. It wasn't like Trey Young was talking trash at Steph or anything. But a couple of things. One is I I would pick Steph Curry every time in that comparison. The other is, do you think younger players feel pressure to outdo those who have gone before them? Yes, of course. Right. I mean, that's only... Uh, I I think that that's only natural. What I would say is it really only natural because when I'm coming to the league, I'm not sitting there, and maybe that's why I'm not a champion. But I I don't sit. I wouldn't sit there and pick out the best shooter in the game, maybe the game's history, and say, yeah, I'm going to be better than him within this amount of time. Well, uh, setting a time frame for it is ridiculous. But yeah, of course you want to come in and outdo the people. I mean, what, what would uh, what where where would Michael Phelps be if he's like, oh, you know what, Mark Spitz was way better than me. all right but uh, okay i guess i could see that but uh, i can't you set an ambitious goal without without saying you're going to be better than one than the all-time great i I don't know how productive that is is that really that productive as you're trying to improve yourself moving forward how about baby steps instead of oh yeah i'm going to take this whole chunk i'm going to go straight to the top that seems i don't know how advantageous that is to do it that way are you the guy who loved uh what we were talking about uh who was our our boy that loved to wear nylons um they played oh, for Joe the Namath. Jets. Joe Namath. You love uh-huh. the fact that he guaranteed a win over the Colts and all that stuff. Yeah, but he was a veteran by that time. Yeah, but you're still saying, oh, that Joe Namath has nothing on me. Or not Joe Namath. Uh, who am I thinking of? Um, uh, Colts quarterback. Peyton Manning? Oh, never mind. Uh, who, who are you talking about? Oh, you mean that year? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, was, it was Earl Morrill, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. No, anyway. But yeah, what, was. what do we want? Do we want Trey Young to come and say, I'm going to be the second best shooter there ever was? Then we'd kill him for that, wouldn't we? Right. Hold on here. I'm still stuck on who is the Colts quarterback. <laughs> and and that, that was that was Morrill, wasn't it? 
Uh, let's see here. Oh, I'm looking it up. We're crying out loud. Are we talking the Baltimore Colts? <laughs> yes, we are. Oh my gosh. Baltimore this Colts. quarantine's got to end. <laughs> Johnny Unitas. Johnny Unitas, of course, Johnny Oh, Unitas. he got hurt. Let's see. Oh, injured during the preseason. So Earl Morrall. Oh, yeah, Morrall. Oh, Morrall. M-O-R-R-A-L-L. Okay. Of Morrall Meats? But actually, Johnny Unitas is who I was thinking of. I'm embarrassed. Yeah, okay. I forgot his name. But that's who I was thinking of. Now, here, here's what I, uh, well, I tell. Well, I think Unitas happened to be named, one of the name his heroes. So uh, he, he did. I don't know whether he said, I'm going to try and be better than that guy. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I admire Trey Young's bravado. I, I however, think that uh, that he's incorrect. And here's, here's what I'll say. Just because you have the stones to take a bunch of 35 foot threes and you make one <laughs> once in a while does not make you the best shooter on the planet. There are so many other ways that Steph Curry shoots and is just deadly that makes him the best shooter of all time other than just waving his teammates off and heaving up a prayer. So well, I, I would say Trey Young really needs to work on a, a variety. I mean, we've seen it how many times in this building, Gordon, where the Jazz are playing the Warriors tough, and maybe the Jazz have a bit of a lead or whatever, and then you and I both blink, and all of a sudden Steph Curry has 30 points and the Jazz are down 15. I mean, he's just so proficient. His, his release is so amazing. His form is so amazing. His ability to shoot in so many different ways, be it off the bounce or coming off screens or catch and shoot. I mean, it's just amazing all the variety of ways that he can shoot the basketball. Trey Young is very, very good. But you're, you're totally right. Trey Young has never even sniffed the shooting season that Steph Curry has had his entire career. So I would say, slow your roll, Trey. However, I don't, I don't have any problem with him uh, having, being confident about himself. I think he's wrong, right. but I don't have any, any problem with his confidence. Does that make and sense? He was, he was kind of good and into it, but uh, I, yeah, I don't have a problem with him talking like that. It's just interesting to me that players look at others who have gone before and think. Okay, I'm going to be better than him. Uh, if you want to say that out loud, then you better be able to back it up because that's an awfully high standard. And you're exactly right. In my mind, Steph Curry, he is a, he can shoot from different situations more consistently than Trey Young can by a long shot. For instance, you just said whether he's coming off a screen or whether he's off the dribble. Or I think Trey Young is much better with the ball in his hand. Ooh, I don't. Ste- Do you really? Then Steph Curry? No, not not better. I'm saying better than himself coming off of screens and catching. And oh, shooting. I see. I see. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's nowhere near as efficient in that in those situations as he is when he's got the ball in his hand. But Steph can do it all. He can do all those things so efficiently and uh, devastatingly. Really, when you're when you're an opponent of uh, of the Warriors when they're at full strength. But I, you know, Trey Young. Uh, you think he's just hurting because Doncic uh, has gotten so much attention? I don't know about hurting because Trey Young's going to be great. He is. He's going to be a really good player. I mean, we're we're talking about a good player and a great player here with uh, comparing he and Steph. I personally would rather have Luka, and I don't think it's particularly close. But I certainly would rather have either one of them than Marvin Bagley, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. So... Yeah. Uh, I and I'd rather have I'd rather have either one than than DeAndre Aiden too. So I I think that the Kings and the Suns deserve far more criticism than say the Hawks. Trey Young might be one of those young talents that you think with a little maturity, with a little seasoning, 
he's going to get better. I, I think he will get better as he gets smarter and as he gets more a little more selective in his shot selection. This is something we've talked about with Donovan Mitchell, that these guys, you love the confidence that they think they can make anything from anywhere. But to be truly, truly great, they have to learn the smart shots and decipher uh, them, uh, the smart ones from the not-so-smart ones. And you're going to make some of those crazy shots some of the time, but is that really the shot you want to be taking? And while you don't want to hesitate, because that's a, that's a shot-maker killer, you've got to be willing to shoot. You can't be hesitating out there. But to me, uh, if you take smart shots, you're going to make a better percentage of them. And I'm not sure Trey Young has that fully, uh, fully comprehended yet. Would you agree? Yes, except can I can I add something to it? And I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. It's just a weird way that the NBA is going. That I can't wrap my head around the 35 footer being a good shot. And st- like statistician, statisticians like Locke will tell you for certain players it is really good. Like Damian Lillard shoots a remarkable percentage from that far out. But I 35 feet really? Oh no, yeah. The, um, I'll have to bring it up on Basketball Reference or something like that, but uh, it, it's it's like crazy, like that. Uh, well, that that shot that Lillard hit to uh, who was it to beat in the playoffs to put him yeah. away uh-huh. uh, last year? I mean, yeah. I I can't wrap my mind around that actually being a good shot for some players because I just see players pull up and and take that shot and think like. Man, what a selfish player that is. You're telling me that's the best shot you can get. But yet, like the, the stat nerds will tell you it is a good shot because you're open. And and players these days have that kind of range. And that just seems crazy to me. And maybe with Lillard and Steph, that maybe that's a good shot. I don't know if Trey Young's there is there yet. You see a lot of them on Sports Center, but yet he's shooting in the mid thirties from three. So I don't I don't know. I'm having a tough time wrapping my mind around that deep deep, you know, from the logo three is actually a good shot because that just seems crazy to me. You can't drag me there, Jake. I'm not going to go there. There's no way. I would name you a bunch of players. I would rather take a 23-foot shot with with a man within three feet of him than a than a wide open thirty five footer. Come on, that, I'd have I'd have to see the statistical data to to even budge off toward believing that. I'll try I'll try and find it. But Damian Lillard uh, shoots something ridiculous, like forty five percent from that range. It's well, probably because he doesn't take that shot very often. It's something you know? crazy. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's it's kind of fun. To, to compare some of these younger players and, and what their development is. And you can't judge them too early because there's only, you know, there aren't that many Magic Johnsons that come in out of college basketball and lead their team to an NBA title. It just doesn't happen very often. And so you got to give them time to, uh, to gel a little bit, to find themselves, to find out who they really are before they find the peak of their powers. Hmm. All right, we'll have more coming up. Stay tuned. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. We've got the North Sports Report coming up next. And then Chris Camrani joins the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned. Big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your North Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Curiosity. What would happen if you got with me? Kissing you would hit the spot with me. Come on, skip a couple rocks with me. Give me any, give me heart. 
apart tonight Ain't no reason that we need to be apart tonight I got something we can start tonight Looking at you, girl, it's hard to find Your stars need to be wished on Your skin needs to be kissed on Joe Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97, 5, and 1280 The Zone. It's time for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Be color 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. Correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Announced by DJ and PK this morning at 850, and you'll win a Zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers right here on The Zone Radio Network. Again, that number, 855-340-ZONE. It is time for the Not Sports Port, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online at LHMUsedCars.com. Gordo, where are we going today? We're going to, uh, well, before I answer that question, I will tell you where we're going, but let me ask you a question first. Uh-oh. If you could be quarantined anywhere, Jake, anywhere, take your choice. Let me say it this way. Take your house that you live in, in Salt Lake City, and you could put that house anywhere to be quarantined for, say, two months. Where would you put it? Long Island. (laughs) I mean, why you got to do that? Because Long Island is one of the hardest hits. I know. Well, I don't know why you're asking me this, so I'm trying to think of of some sort of sarcastic response. Well, why not? Why be sarcastic about it? Why not be earnest? Be honest. Where where would you? Some sort of remote island. Navini Island, right off the coast of Fiji. Oh, wow. I've never been to Navini Island. What's it like? Small. <laughs> Sandy. You can walk, a, a, walk around in, ocean. in 10 minutes. Kick really? everybody else off and take over it. Oh, I think that's a fine choice. Now, that might be somewhat remote in case you uh, you had any kind of trouble that you needed to be What, you're saying I, I can't supply up? Well, you can supply up. What, what if you had a, a medical issue? Uh, I'd rub some sand on it and be fine. <laughs> rub some sand. <laughs> okay, the reason, it's just something to think about. I don't know. I mean, I'd probably pick a place. Like, one, I would pick a place that's warm. Ocean breezes, de- a definite plus. And, uh, you know, this, the, the sea rolling in, some, some big uh, swells coming in, that would be nice too, wouldn't it? Okay, sure. Yeah, that sounds good to me. The reason I bring it up is because Jay Cutler, the former quarterback, and Kristen Cavallari, is that how you say her Calvary, name? Calvary, yeah. Mm-hmm. Calvary? Is that I how think, you say it? I think so. Cavallari. Cavallari, there Cavallari. you go. Cavallari have been quarantined where, you ask? They've been for 22 days in Turks and Caicos. Who cares if you see Jay Cutler's butt cheeks? <laughs> where, Turks and what? Turks and Caicos. I don't know what that is. You know, Jake. It sounds like somewhere You've Gordon. You've been there several times. It sounds like somewhere Gordon uh, vacations, probably. It's in the Caribbean. It, well, it's in the eastern, like eastern, northern kind of Caribbean there. Uh, but it's a very nice spot. And I thought, 22 days stuck. I mean, I, that sounds like if you're going to quarantine, that might be uh, a terrific place to be with your with your immediate family. Where would sounds you go, good. Gordon? Um, 
That's not bad. I might want to be stateside, though, just in case. I, I just, you know, and it might be, I wouldn't want to really have to take a boat to a hospital if I needed it. <laughs> so stateside where you don't have to take a boat. That's not already a hot spot for coronavirus. Yeah, I, is, I, I think you. I think you've pretty much marked off everything there, Gordon. Is there a place? Is there a place in the world that hasn't really been affected by the virus at all? Antarctica. I'm sure there are places in the world that haven't <laughs> been affected by it. Yeah. Like, where, have you heard, read about any? But you just said in the United States. No, I well, I just because I would like to have access to good medical care if I needed it. But I mean, every every uh, medical. Uh, institution right now is strained because of what's been going on but i th- these are my requirements i would want warm weather i would want the ocean i'd want the beach nearby and i would want good medical care well in the united what, states i don't think you're getting any of that because i think the coasts have been hit most hard by this right so that uh that scratches off the beach like my favorite place the outer banks is entirely closed is it really yeah so I think so, I think like all the beaches in this country are basically closed. Well, I don't mean you don't have to be on the beach, but your house is next on the your house is on the beach, so you don't have to go out onto the sand. I just we don't want to be nearby. Okay. Okay. Sheesh. So so what all you're right. talking like? It's just a fantasy question. If you're if you you're were talking like Orlando. Quarantine? Uh no, because that's that's inland. That's inland. I, I maybe I'd follow Tom Brady and go to go to Tampa. Okay, I, I don't know. Some some I don't know. I don't know. I'm just it's a fan. Austin, do you have an answer to the question? Uh, I don't mind being here. I like this place, Salt Lake. Yeah, why not? Yeah, we should yeah, be doing all right. One thing I have found through all my travels through the years you can tell how much you like the place where you live when you fly back from wherever you were are you really excited to be home and are you happy that that's where you live and i almost always answer yes to those questions coming back to salt lake so good to know all right all right so okay okay take your house then just stay where you are that's a good place to be, right? Not bad. Not but bad Turks at all. And Keiko, is that, the, that wouldn't be a bad choice. Just saying. Never heard of it. Is that where Anis well, Cantor is from? <laughs> he's from? He's from Turkey. Is that where Mehmet Okur is from? <laughs> That's isn't, there pre, isn't there President Erdogan kind of a nasty guy? <laughs> Turks and Caicos, not Turkey and Caicos. Look it up on a map. Do it right now, Jake. No, I don't look, think so. Look, What's the point of looking up somewhere I'm never, ever, ever going to go? Why wouldn't you go there? Oh, I don't have a zillion dollars in the bank, Gordon. Who could afford to get there? I don't have a yacht. <laughs> but if you did, what would you name it? <laughs> Oh, you know what I'd name it, but I, I don't know. What's the, what's the name you came up with? Humble Abote. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Humble Abote. Pretty amazing. All right. Stay tuned. Chris Camerani joins the show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.